Good day, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Our guest today has been seen on Gaudy. Um, he's also been on the in the Jerky Boys movie, and he's been on the Hulu Wu Tang and American Saga, Hawaii Five O, and The Sopranos. Please welcome Vincent Pastor to the show. Thanks for coming out, man. This is awesome. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thanks. So uh, you're my Canadian friends, right? Yeah, you're coming to Canada. I come up all the time. I go up there with my charity light of day, and I also I go to uh, um, uh, Yucks and uh, in, in, in Niagara Falls, and I do comedy. You know this thing. Okay. You go yuck yourself. Um, I'm up there a lot. Um, my friend uh, Sammy uh, ran the Cadillac Bar on Queen Street. Do you remember that bar? Yes, Sammy. I do. Yeah, so we're up there a lot. We're up there. I mean, the pandemic stops us from going up, though, but I was just uh, emailing Dave Rotella from Niagara. Uh, he's uh, heads, uh, heads uh, lighted day up in Canada, and, uh, you know, we've been doing all Zoom stuff, but we want to get back on the road. We run around with musicians, and we raise money for lighted day up there. And, and, and where does the, the money go for? What is lighted day's purpose? Um, where does the money get distributed to? It, well, it all started with Bobby Benjamin, um, who grew up in New Rochelle, New York, where I grew up and went to the same high school. Uh, he used to work for, I believe, Billboard, um, and he knew Bruce, and he knew a lot of record people, and then he got Parkinson's. And uh, the foundation was formed to bring awareness to Bobby's illness and also to Parkinson's. And... Um, Light of Day is a song Bruce Rett wrote um, uh, just around the corner for Light of Day. Joan Jett sings it, and it's our theme song, and it's also the name of the charity, Light of Day Foundation. So I'm glad you're letting me plug that because all my Canadian friends up there, Sammy and Dave and Michael, um, if they're watching the show, let me get up there again soon and let's do some rock and roll. Is I'm actually I'm actually friends with uh, Sam Grosso on Facebook as well. So I mean, Sammy, Sammy from the Cadillac was a Cadillac Lounge. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, then he had he had that place that the Rolling Stones had for a while. Elmo Combo. Yeah. See, you know my friends. Yeah. Actually, that place is actually is in the midst of reopening again. I know the pandemic stopped it, but uh, there's been a lot of things that have happened in the last year. What are some of your most recent projects? Well, there's been a pandemic, so I don't think we've been doing too much. Yeah, it's it's been pretty hard for a lot of people. The stuff in- that we did before has been held back, and now yeah. it's coming out. Like I did a movie called Birthday Cake a year and a half ago, and they didn't want to release it during the pandemic, so now it's going to be released in June. Okay. I did a movie with Tony Darrow called um, Made in Chinatown, it's going to be released, uh, distributed in May, you know, uh, on television, um, cable and stuff. A lot of this stuff got held back, you know. And then I have my theater company and I'm teaching and um, and I got my podcast. So my life is busy. And and, and what's your podcast all about? Tell the, tell the listeners and the viewers about your podcast. It's called Forget About It. And my partner's going by Johnny, who's a stand-up comedian. And it's basically tongue-in-cheek humor, you know. You know, I'll bring some Sopranos on, but not a lot because uh, uh, Michael and um, Sharipa have saturated the market with their uh, conversations with Sopranos, which I'm a part of their tour. Um, We went to Australia together, me, Michael, and Stephen, and we did the States, and we were heading to Great Britain, but um, uh, pandemic shut us down. We're supposed to come back up to Canada. We're supposed to, you know, I'm hoping that um, a lot of uh, the bookings that we had that got canceled, they uh, resurface again, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm hoping this all comes back. But it's all a matter about how many people they're going to let in a room and, you know, all that stuff. It can be pretty tricky. I know the Talking Sopranos podcast um, with Michael Imperioli and, and Steve Sharippa, it's it's pretty cool to see and reminisce episode by episode, right? Oh, yeah, those guys, uh, they're like the encyclopedia of the Sopranos, those two guys. They know everything. They know everything. You know Lady Gaga was um, in, on the Sopranos? Yes, I do. You know that? Yeah. What did she play? 
she played that undercover cop that was friends with um uh no right and mateo right wrong no she was one of jamie's college roommates when she went to college okay yeah okay that's okay that makes sense now that's what she did yeah, wrong. Okay, you want to ask me? I'll ask you another soprano trivia. Ready? All right. What was Big Pussy's real name? Uh, Salvatore Bompensero. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. All right, that's it. And, 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 and it was kind of cool because researching a character, it can be, um, there's not a lot of series out there that have of a humongous fan base such as the Sopranos. So I learned a lot about your character. Um, just researching about, you know, Pussy Pomponsero, right? Like uh, they call you P- Big Pussy because you used to be a cat burglar, you know? It's, it's, wow, uh, you did your uh, homework. Well, I mean, uh, sometimes you, you have to do that, right? So, I mean, um, it can be pretty interesting to, to get the backstory, but who writes these backstories? Were they presented to you? Was this character presented to you from the beginning as a main no, we character? All, we all audition. Come on, we all audition. Yeah, of course. Everybody audition. Even Jimmy auditioned. Everybody audition. But was the, the role, when it was mapped out for you, like when you went to audition, they say this is the backstory no, uh, no, they just give you, um, they didn't even give you a script. They just give you sides because everything was like hush, hush. Oh, wow. So you went in with the sides. You know what the sides are? The sides are like four or five pages of dialogue that they send you and you got to memorize and then you go in an audition. Wow. Yeah. And now with um, COVID, everybody's auditioning on Zoom, you know, because there's no in-house auditions. But I went in and I auditioned. Uh, it was the same it was Dominic, Sirico, and me. And we had just done Gotti with Amon Asante up in Toronto. There was a huge hit for HBO. And HBO submitted us. Uh, Sheila Jaffe brought us in. And um, uh, Frankie Pellegrino, Dominic Chianese, Frank Vincent, Vinnie Pastor, Tony Sirico, uh, and Vince Curatolo all got work on The Sopranos and they were in the Gotti movie we shot in Toronto with Anthony Quinn and Armando Asante. So what came first? The chicken and the egg. Gotti that we shot on, what's it called? Queen Street? Queen Street, yep. In Toronto. I, and I loved it up there. I love Canada. I really do. In fact, the guys try to talk me into buying property up there. Well, you know? Be worth a lot right now. I, it's worth a lot. Yeah, the, the housing market and then the real estate market is just skyrocketing now. So it's at the highest it's ever been. Why? Because people want to move up there. They want to get away from what's going on down here. Well, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think it's a it's a buyer's market, and then eventually yeah. the bubble might must burst at some point, right? Down here, it's a seller's market. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not a buyer's market. Now, 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 going back, actually, I found this article on uh, a site called Looper.com. There's a, a site also that rates um, seasons and episodes of shows, and they rated um, Sopranos season two, which you were in, in season three, as one of the most near perfect seasons ever written in television. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'll send the, I'll send it to you right after this interview. And, I would love to read that. Yeah. And and you know you guys were were placed along other shows like Breaking Bad and and The Office with uh, you know Ricky Gervais. Um, but I do agree with that. I think that your character um, played a very key role in the whole you know the the whole plot unflo- uh, unfolding. Right. The heat was finally turned up on Tony and everyone um, just from your character just showing up being the informant, um, it, it was pretty interesting because I, I, I really feel like your, your character was a very, very important piece of the puzzle, and uh, you yeah. did it really well. I just had, uh, and you should have him on your podcast, uh, Louis Lombardi, he played Skip, the Fed. I had him on my podcast, and he and I, um, I knew him since he was a kid. Wow. And what happened with me and Skip, uh, Louis Lombardi, who played Skip, is um, 
Louis told me on the podcast uh, the other night, my podcast, that he was up for big pussy. And he, 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 and, and he couldn't, I don't know if he was lying, but he was doing um, Fantasy Island. And Fantasy Island bombed. And then when it bombed, he came back to New York and he sang with his mom and he got a phone call from Sheila and she said, can you come in? Uh, we got this character came Skip. He's going to be informing uh, with Big Pussy. And we know you and Vinny have a history together already. And because we work together. And if you watch those scenes, Louie and I were talking about it yesterday. Because uh, I teach acting now. And, I, and I'm going to say, if you wanted to work with me, I would say, well, you got to do all these basic things. And and one of the basic things Louie and I did was rehearse, 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 rehearse. Boom. You're underneath the lights. You shoot one, two takes, and you go home. And that's the way we would work. And Louie was saying that he originally was supposed to do like one episode and they just kept dragging it on and, dra and they made him that character. Um, do you remember the, the bit when I was in the hospital and I, I, I ran over the pizza guy <laughs> and he came in and he said, you're not a fed. <laughs> and I said, but I got, and I was trying to convince him that I would be good as an FBI guy. See, there was a lot of comedy in that that David wrote, and he didn't realize it until maybe, even not when he delivered it, like Goodfellas, you, you didn't realize it was funny until you saw it in the movies. I, I fully agree with that. There was a, another couple cool scenes uh, in season two. Um, what would that be? Uh, so basically when when uh, Skip meets you at the party place, they see, uh, what's the name? I kill Elvis. Yeah. And then I go after Elvis. Yeah. That's not funny. I thought that was funny. That was funny. That was funny, right? And when I when I knocked on his door, and he says, "Hey, puss, come on in," and I hit him over the head with a hammer. It, you know, it, you know. I'm gonna tell you something. You say it's a I mean, I, my character is very popular. Yeah, but he still was a drug dealer, and he still was a murderer. Yeah, that's very and true. He's a rat. But but he was played very well, right? Um, yeah, well, I, I, I kind of, I have to say that without Jimmy um, Gandolfini working opposite me, without working opposite Tony Sirico, love Tony, without working opposite Louis Lombardi, Michael Imperioli, he's like my nephew. Do you know he wrote an episode uh, and um, he called the bar, it was a lollipop and he bought it for uh, Adriana and he called it Crazy Horse? Yeah, so he that wrote that episode. Of, that was the name of my bar in New Rochelle. Wow. The Crazy Horse. And Michael used to come in and he was young, but he loved rock and roll. He's a musician, he's a drummer and a guitar player. And, and Michael used to come in and I didn't care. I knew who Michael was. I, I saw some of his work. He was an up-and-coming actor. I, I didn't bother Michael. I didn't bother Matt Dillon. I didn't bother Kevin Dillon. I didn't bother none of those guys. They came in my club, and I had um, uh, I had a cool club. And I had to come being a rock and roll clubber and then getting into acting. I think I knew enough from the street to put into the characters because guys were always coming in trying to shake down the nightclub business. And in Goodfellas, um, that's what that was about, you know? So I kind of knew the, I knew what was going on. There, there were, but, I, but, I'm not, but I'm not from a wise guy family. No, no. And if I were, I wouldn't tell you, you no. don't mix up the character that we, the characters we play with the actors and Jimmy Gandolfini was a sweetheart. He was not Tony Soprano. He became Tony Soprano when he went to work. Now, Tony Sirico is always Tony Sirico. Really? Well, that's who he is. Was he was he part of a, an original cartel kind of thing or a mob kind of thing originally? Or? A cartel? Yeah, I, re I read something that he was one of the only, if not the only person on that cast that was part of an organized crime uh, family. Is that true? Do you want me to talk about that? No, I just, I'm just asking you if that is true. Well, if you read it, it could be true. But yeah. they also said that the tr the election in Georgia was fixed. So I don't know what to believe anymore in the media. 
I, I don't I don't know what to believe. I stopped listening to a lot of this stuff, man. It's it's been very, very difficult right, for you me. Wanna, you want to hear a true, a true Tony Sirico story that you probably will never hear from anybody else? Sure. Okay. When I was in my nightclub business in the 80s, um we went into New York City. Um, a friend of ours who was in a nightclub business in New Rochelle went in partners with these people in downtown and the place was called the grand finale. Right. And there was a group called King Creole and the coconuts playing open at night. And I went down and I saw, I was sitting at the front table in the front and I was with my partner from the bar and we were a little crazy back then, you know, you know, and this guy came over with slick black hair, all black slick. He thought it was George Rip. And he told us to calm down that it was Tony Sirico. It was 1984. And that's when I met Tony. Then I found out that Tony was in jail with a dear friend of mine, Michael Aronin, who I was in the service with. When Michael got out of the service, he got in trouble and he did time and he met Tony. And they started an acting group in jail. This is true. Incredible. So now Michael gets out and he starts doing Broadway plays. He did Knockout. He did Lampost Reunion. He did uh, Marlon Brando sat right there for Louis LaRusso. Sirico was working a lot with Woody Allen. He was doing a lot of work. Uh, and he was a character actor. And everybody loved him. But his breakthrough was Sopranos. So when he was hired, if you look at the pilot, Tony only had one line in the pilot. He walked over to Jimmy and he said, Joe Barone wants to talk to you, the garbage stump guy. David Chase loved Tony so much because he was real and he made him a somewhat technical advisor. Tony was like the technical advisor, but we knew it. In other words, he was given... Uh, David Chase, a lot of information about the mob because, yeah, he knew who these guys were. Tony had a choice of being made or going and being an actor. And he said uh, to the guys, I, I want to be an actor. And they let him go. Really? So many, so many crazy stories. I mean, like that was your, that, that, that uh, encounter back in nine in the, in the early eighties was the first time you ever met him too. Right. Yeah, but then what happened, um, uh, there's a guy, he, God rest his soul, great director, John Gallagher. He put together a series of one-act plays at this place called the West Bank Cafe on 42nd Street. We used to hang out there. And um, Tony was in one of the one-acts, and then I met him again. He was down there with Chuck Zito, Tony Danza, they were all down, and I met him again, and I met David Praval. And I met Harvey Keitel and I met Tony again. I wind up doing a play with Tony about three months later in the same venue. And it was Tony was the mob boss. Frank Vincent was the concierge. And I was like the, the, um, the, the, the brute, the enforcer. And we did a play and then we start getting close. And then the rest was history. And then I worked with Frank, uh, uh, Frank Vincent, 11 films. And then The Sopranos. And I worked with Tony, uh, maybe five films, but look what we did on The Sopranos. See, David saw the chemistry between me and Tony. So he wrote that for us. That's why, like, the pilot, we shot. Then they put it to rest. Then they call us back, and they said, you guys got picked up. So when you get picked up, we went out and knocked off 12 episodes. We still didn't know if it was any good. And then they aired it. And it exploded. You know, and then it took off. We were sitting in the West Bank having lunch, and uh, Steve Dionis says, Come down the corner, look what they did. And we went down to Times Square, and there was a big billboard. It was all of us. It was the original poster. We were all standing back at Jimmy, like in a V shape, where it says family or, or family. And we said, Holy, and your life changes. Your life changes. Wow. And you don't know it's coming. You know? Like, I watch um, a lot of movies now because I'm a movie buff. And I look back and I look at some of the old movies. And I see some of 
Like you see when an actor does something that he's in a film that changes his life. He said, Oh, like when I watched seven with Brad Pitt, I said, this is the movie I think that changed his career. Um, you know, not interview with a vampire. Uh, you know, I mean, that's how I look at things, you know? So what changed Tony's life? Sopranos, you know, he became huge, huge. It's a solid series. Like for anyone that wants to check something out on TV or binge on a series, that's always my go-to that I tell them. It's one of my top three, right? The Sopranos. Yes. And yeah. It's uh, it's quite incredible what what happened there, right? So Sopranos replaced the Larry Sanders show, right? And it just exploded. It became that 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 now we look at Breaking Bad and Walking Dead and Sons of Anarchy as those shows on TV, but Sopranos laid the groundwork. It, it was like watching a movie at home, right? Yeah. You know, it was so good. Well, you know, what, see, what happened is like, there's, this, there's, a, there's a line between reality and non-reality. And even now, me and Tony Darrow uh, from Goodfellas and from Sopranos, we're doing a signing the other day down at Wonder Bar in Asbury. And the people, they come up to us because they saw us every Sunday night on television and they, they think they're your cousins. They act like, oh, you know, Vinny, Tony, take a picture, Baba, Bob, you know, they love us 20 years, 21 now, years later. And, you know, it's going to keep on going. Well, it's, it's like, you know, can my granddaughter watch it? She's nine years old? No. But maybe when she's about 14, my daughter will let her watch it. And then you got a whole new audience. And that's what happens. That's what happened with Taxi and Star Trek and all these shows that kept going on and on and on, you know? Um, because it becomes, look, we live, actors live on residuals, especially my age. And I don't get heavy-duty residuals from Sopranos, but it pays some of the bills. See, yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That's, residuals? Yeah, I never knew that. That's I just crazy. got a nice residual from Shark Tale. See, you didn't mention that, too. Did you know it was in Shark Tale? Uh, the cartoon? Yeah, De Niro was the boss. I was the right-hand man, but I had eight arms. I was the octopus. Michael Imperioli... Um, gets killed at the beginning. Jack Black, we were, it was all animated. You saw, did you didn't see it? My Somebody kids have seen it. I got another kids... residual today. Wow, that's incredible. That my granddaughter could watch. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Shark Tale, it's a kid's movie. Well, I mean, there's a lot of ins and outs, you know. Yeah, my, my kids have watched that. I, you know, I've obviously I've, you know, come in and out of the room, but, you know, it's. It's cool. Why don't you email me your address? I'll send, I got pictures of, uh, how old is your kids? Uh, my kids are nine. I can send them a shark tail outside. I'll sign a Luca. I got the pictures. I don't want to uh, come off and, and show you the picture, but I'll, I'll, if you email me your address and say, who do you want me to send it to? I promise you, I'll put it in the mail tomorrow. Thank you so much. I'll man. send you a picture. Um, uh, maybe me and Jimmy or something. I'll pull a picture off for you for your house or for your brick wall. Do you want a picture of me? No. No. <laughs> no. You, you, um, I know pot's legal in Toronto. You look like a drug dealer a bit. Yeah, well, I don't want to uh, dispel those uh, those secrets, man. It's, uh, well, well, I love walking through uh, Niagara Falls, Canada. You can walk down the street smoking a joint. I was walking down the street smoking a joint last time I was up there. The cop drove by. He didn't even stop. No, they don't. There's so much going on in that city. It, it, it's why would they stop for you, right? They got more important things to worry about. Exactly. They don't want to stop Big Pussy, man. They're they're scared to stop. Well, they don't know who I am, but I wasn't making it obvious. No. And I don't want to stop going over the border. Listen, I, I'm going to tell you. You talk about light of day. We flew into we flew into Buffalo. Me and um, uh, Gary U.S. Bonds, the singer. I did till quarter three. We're going over the bridge. What's the what is it? The Rainbow Bridge. The Rainbow Bridge, yes. And you and you and you, when you go over the bridge, you hit customs, right? When you go over the bridge, so you're in Canada in order to go through. 
Um, when I got in the car, my friend in Buffalo, my friend Michael, who's one of the promoters up there, and he owns a couple of restaurants, you probably know, he told me, he said, if you got any drugs on you, get rid of them because we're going across the border. So I didn't think I could get some weed up there. This was like years ago. So I threw a mic pot in the garbage can in front of the airport in Buffalo. So we're going through uh, customs, and the, the security guy looks in the window, and he says, hey, big pussy, go right through. So we go through, and I look to Michael. I said, you son of a bitch. I just threw away $100 worth of pot. Uh, they didn't even bother me. Oh. Funny, that I, that that's funny, but it, it's it's. But Gary says to me when he went through <laughs> the year before they stripped his car. Yeah, that happens they too. Stripped his car. That that happens for me when I'm I, I'm crossing the border to the U.S. So it's it they took my took my car apart and everything, and I had to put it back together, like even like the fabric and the ceiling and everything. What? Well, you look. It's because they I look scary, right? Because you get the beard. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, what are you going to do, man? Nothing. Learn how to put a car back together. Well, they really took your car apart? They took the whole car apart, like like the fabrics and the ceiling and, like, yeah. They must have found something in the car for them to do that. Don't go lying to me. They must have found a roach or something in your ashtray. Um, and I don't want to be busted right now on the air, but... Um, you know what? I was sweating. I was starting to freak out big time. And it's like, what am I freaking out about? I have nothing in the car, right? It's like, they're going to find something. They're going to frame me. Um, but I, I, I also know that, you know, staying in the U S you can only bring so much alcohol over because it's cheaper to get alcohol in the U S than it is in Canada. Well, you don't know what they were looking for. No, I know. They could have been looking for a bomb because you look like a terrorist. They could have been looking for a bomb. <laughs> Well, maybe, maybe. Were you coming from Canada to New York or New York to Canada? So that was when I was coming from Canada to New York. Right. You definitely, no, I would have stopped you too. I would have stopped you too. No, you look like, you know, I don't want to do any racial profiles. You know, I don't need to go down that road, but you definitely look like a terrorist. (laughs) Well, yeah, well. I was casting a movie. I was looking for a terrorist. I give you the job. Yeah, well. I would really appreciate those residuals. No, you make a lot of money. I mean, I, you know, I teach acting. This kid came into class last night. He's a good kid. He's um, he's from Pakistan. He's an exchange student, and we were working on Zoom all last night. And I said, you're in a good situation. I said, don't take this wrong, but you're going to make some money because they're looking for guys like you with all these terrorist movies coming out. And he didn't take it wrong. He knew what I was talking about. Yeah, you got to say, hey, man, residuals, residuals. Well, he could become a star. Look at that guy. What's his name? The guy who played, um, did you see uh, uh, Sound of Metal? No. The new no. one? Yeah. He got up. He got nominated. His name is Rami. He got nominated for uh, Rami or some Academy Award. There's so much great diversity now. And I'm very happy because I'm with SAG uh, Screen Actors Guild. I'm involved with the diversity committee. And and there's so much good stuff going out there. And, you know, when I post on Facebook, I said, uh, you know, I pasted, I posted something today. And I'm going into like a spiritual mood. And I'm just saying, let's, let's, we've been through too much. Can we stop the hate and we start loving each other? I just want to go over the bridge and hang, hang out with some of my Canadian friends and give them a hug. Can't even do that anymore, you know. I got a friend up. Do you know uh, Tessa from Buffalo? No, I do not know Tessa from Buffalo, but she's cute. Hey, she got a podcast. She does. Yeah, she's cute. You should have her on. She's a psychic. Really? That'd be pretty interesting for sure. That'd be very interesting. You want me to tell her hook up with you? Sure. She just got engaged, though, so don't hit on him. Oh, no, 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 no. Of course, her engagement on my podcast. She showed the ring. Oh, really? How big was the ring? Pretty big. She invited me to the wedding in Buffalo. I said, I'll come. And I met her on Zoom. But I, I'm not hitting on her. She's engaged. She, she looks at me like I'm her uncle, which is okay. Her That's name good. is Tessa. I'm not saying her last name on the, on the show. No, 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 you, you don't no. have 
you don't have to, but you know, it's, uh, it's been great speaking with you, Vin. And you know what, like, uh, finally, I want to ask you, um, uh, you don't have to get rid of me. No, no, no. I'm not going to get rid of you. I want to learn more about James Gandolfini, man. Um, I want to know what kind of person he was and uh, how he takes how he takes his coffee because this show is about oh, I don't know how he took his coffee. No, no. What kind of person? Is he? What kind of person was he? I know he was a very giving person who paid off people's mortgages. Yeah, they don't know until this he day. Got involved with the veterans, uh, a lot of things he did. He gave money to people that were hurting. Um, um, that that Hurricane Sandy, we got all together. It was called Twelve Twelve. Um, we did it at the garden. Everybody was there. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy put, we, well, they asked me to do it and they said, can you get Jimmy? And I, there was going to be just me and Jimmy. And then I called, we called Jimmy up. My people called Jimmy up and Jimmy says, I'll do it and I'll get everybody else too. And he made the phone call and he got the whole Sopranos to attend this charity. And they gave us one of those you know those um, big boots uh, above everybody in, in the garden and everything, you know, with a high rollers on? What do you call them? The box? Yeah, they gave us a big box. And I, I never forget the Who was playing. And my friend Arthur Nascarella, who was on, uh, he played uh, Carlo on the show. He goes, he's talking to Jimmy, he's talking to Jimmy. And Jimmy turned, I was laughing. And he says, will you shut the F up? The Who is on. <laughs> <laughs> so he was a rocker. I got a picture. I don't. I, I, I wish I could show it to you, but it'd probably get blurry. It's with the E Street Band and the Sopranos together. Well, Sill was uh, actually in the E Street Band as well. I know. I know. Um, Stevie Van Zandt. He he played in the East, He plays in the E Street Band, and he had this awesome show. Uh, on Netflix called Lilyhammer, which I really enjoyed. I was really hoping they would finish that thing out. Well, the la- was it the last episode? Bruce showed up as a priest. Uh, Tony Sirico was a priest or something, yeah. and yeah. Bruce was in it. Yes. And my dear friend uh, Nikki Cadero from Hamilton, he was in it, and uh, he got his unicorn. We lost Nikki. I did a play with Nikki both over Broadway, on Broadway, and we lost Nikki from COVID. He was one of the first guys to go down last March. And uh, he had a rough time. But um, uh, CV uh, liked Nikki so much. He says, I want you on the show. And he got him his union card. See, CV Van Zandt's got a big heart. I work with his wife. I got a theater company, uh, Maureen and I. And we have a lot of, you know, Sopranos, Bobby Fanaro, Lou Martini. They're, they're part of our company and to keep busy. But um, CV's generous. He just wrote a life story. Uh, during the pandemic. Uh, it didn't come out yet, but I'm anxious to read it. And I said to uh, Maureen, because she was on my podcast as well, what's it about? She says his whole life. See, there's a life before he became a rocker. Okay. You know? Of course. About why is his, is his name Van Zandt? No clue. You don't know. Look it up. I will. For sure. He came out of Boston. Everybody thinks he, his family was from Jersey. I think he went up to Boston. I don't want to say misinformation because Stevie's going to say, what are you telling people? But he, I don't think Stevie grew up in Jersey. I think he showed up in Jersey at the Pony and, and started meeting everybody because Stevie told me that they were playing down there. They were like in the late teens. And they would go to the Pony in Asbury and make a deal where don't pe- worry about paying us, we'll work for the door because they wanted to play. And Bruce was playing with a band called the Castiles and that's when Stevie came in. But when we were doing Sopranos, uh, Stevie got hit with a, with a request from uh, Bruce saying, we're going back on the road. So meanwhile, Stevie's doing Sopranos and he's back on the road with Bruce. So he was wearing two hats. He would be flying in sometimes from a gig, and then he would come right to the set, and he'd put the, the, the wig on, and he'd become Sylvia. And then just fly back out after. And then he'd get on a plane and go back on tour. Incredible. It, wearing two hats must have been really, really stressful and you know strenuous on him, but obviously he loves what he's doing, right? He's great. He's, a, he's amazing. great. It's an amazing talent all around, right? I'm excited to check out his book. Um, you know, 
there are so many success stories from the Sopranos. You know, you have Michael Imperioli. Yeah. One of the two of the funniest scenes in the in well, maybe three, the Pine Barrens episode. Um, and there is another scene, I believe it's season two, where he's taking the acting lessons and stuff, and they're like, hey, the A, B kind of thing, like A, B. You get the reaction, he punches the guy out. And there's uh, the one at Crazy Horse where they try, um, as we mentioned earlier, Adriana had a club that he bought for her called Crazy Horse, that, which was named after one of your clubs as well. Um, she wanted to manage a band, and then he was recording the band. He ended up like beating up the, the singer with the guitar. So it was. Uh, there's been a lot of comical moments in in this. Yeah. You know what I? You know what I should do during the pandemic? I got hooked up on actors. I watched like everyone has seen McQueen's movie, read his book. Everyone in Paul Newman's movie, read his book. I gotta start. Um, we rewatching Sopranos because uh, everybody asks me uh, questions. Like you do. Like, I know you're going to ask me what was the ending about. And I ask me that. Well, I'm not going to answer. I'm not going to ask you that. I'm going to ask you. Um, I don't know what the ending was about. I, I don't think anybody really knows what, how to interpret it. Is. Right. Yeah. Right. I think David did that to leave everything open. For, for, for a comeback or. Yeah. For- yeah. You don't know. That Look what they're doing, right? Anyway. But but how, how much further could they have taken it? You know, it really got... Well, if Jimmy was alive. But um, uh, without Jimmy, uh, people are saying that it could still continue, you know, with Silvio, with uh, Paulie Walnuts, and with the kids. But instead, we know that David went backwards. And we have a film that's coming out in September... And it's the Saints of Newark, and it's about all of us when we were younger. And actually, there's a kid, uh, Samson, is a real good actor. He plays me uh, when I was younger. And and I think what they won't tell us about the movie. My friend Joey Diaz is in it. He won't tell me about the movie. I think they had to sign something with David, like they had to give blood. Oh. They can't. We, they don't. They don't want to tell nobody. All we know who's in it. But we don't know what it's about. Well, is, isn't um, James Gandolfini's son in this movie as well? Michael, yeah. He plays Jimmy Tony Soprano as a kid. So this but movie... I, I, but nobody knows what it's about. This movie's done, though, right? It's going to be... It's yeah, it's, I mean, like I told you about my movie, Birthday Cake. Everything's held back. Because, it, I mean, I, they said the movies are open. And I couldn't go to the movies... But uh, there's really nothing playing in the movies right now that it, that's going to excite me. They held everything back. Well, it's coming out on Crackle as well, right? The streaming service? My movie is. Yes. Yeah. Birthday Cake. It's not oh. a big, it's not, it's, we got a great cast. Lorraine Bracco, uh, William Fitchner, Val Kilmer, um, Joe D'Onofrio, Ewan McGregor. Um uh, but it's not a big uh, budget mob movie. It's a nice um, slice of life movie. Uh, Lorraine Bracco plays the mother. She makes a cake. She gives it to the son. He has to bring it over to his uncle's house. And then you'll find out uh, what the significance behind that was. You know, that's that movie. And I'm really glad it's coming out. But I don't have uh, a lot of stuff coming out now because it's pandemic. I mean, you know. You, we all, I don't know about you, but I lost a year of my life. We're not working. Yeah, same here. I've I've been stuck in the house now. I'm actually at this moment. I'm actually in isolation. Um, Why? Third time. Um, I, I know, I've had COVID. I've been in contact with COVID two or three times already. So now I'm back in the house, right? Not working. Um, you didn't but, get the shots? Oh, we don't have, we don't have, uh, it's not my turn yet. I'm too young, man. I'm too young to get shot. Why don't you come down here? You can get them after 16 years old. Really? Yeah. Up here, it's just a complete, uh, not nightmare, but you know, I'm not getting a shot and I'm not able to go to a store and get the shot. It's uh, for people 45 and up right now. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish everything starts to come back to normal. So um, not that I don't enjoy doing this podcast all the time. I mean, that's what we're all doing. But I like to start seeing people in person. What, was, what we started to do in my podcast 
that we started a- asking people to come in the studio. Uh, but they but they had to have their shots and uh, COVID free, you know. And we've had some in house uh, guests so far, but um, even in New York, um, people are still I don't care. They said New York is open. The mayor and the governor just said open up New York. Um, people are still they're still leery, you know. I'm leery, you know. I don't want to get sick. You got your shot too, right? I got both of my shots, and I was down in Asbury Park, and like I said, people tell you to take your mask off, take a picture with me. You know, I don't want to be rude, but I don't want to get sick. Yeah, well, you can still Especially get sick. when you take pictures with people, because, you know, um, the majority of people are, are trying to get healthy again, but um, I ran into this girl I haven't seen in years, and... Um, we were talking, and I said, so, you know, it's like this is a question you ask a girl if you want to go on a date with So did she, did you get your shots? <laughs> she said, no, I don't believe in them. I said, wait a second. You didn't get your shots? I said, I could be getting sick from you. She says, you got your shots. You're not going to get sick from me. I said, well, I says, why don't you get your shots? I don't believe in it. I said, well, all right, okay. She said, where are you going? I said, well, where do you think I was going? I wasn't. She's cute and everything, but she didn't get her shots. Oh, you gotta if, have. If, if, you know, if they want to give you the shots, I mean, this girl is qualified to get them. Uh, I don't believe in it. You don't believe in it. There's a percentage of people out there. They say it's like thirty percent of America won't get the shots. And, and there's people up here in Canada who want the shot, but just can't get it because we don't have them. So oh, they should send the shots up to you guys. Uh, apparently that's what's happening, but I'm just kind of worried. I'm not ever going to be going back to normal. I hope so. I mean, the- well, here's what you can do. We, we, we met tonight. We're friends. When you go to the border, just say, I'm going down to see my uncle Vinny. When you come down here, we I'll send you to those instant places. You know, my daughter did she went down to Florida during the spring break, but she went uh, on the Gulf Coast with the family, which is a little common. And she went into a CVS store and she got her first shot in Florida. She just got it. And then she came back up to Washington where she lives and she got a second shot from a CVS. See, it's a lot easier in the States. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I hope things start opening up, man, because I want to get back to work. New York... Work is coming back, you know. Um, I love my acting. And, you know, Zoom is cool. It got me through the pandemic. Teaching on Zoom is cool, but I like teaching my actors in person. And, um, you know, then I got my band, and I run around my band, and we're booking some outdoor events. But the indoor events, everybody's a little nervous. But but uh, that's where the money is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What, when do you think this will eventually go back to normal? I know Biden said right now people are able to, um, if you're fully vaccinated, associate with others in an environment without no masks, right? He, he's telling us July 4th. Okay. Wow. Uh, I don't know. I kind of like, you know, I, th- I kind of like, I, do- I, I don't think we should drop our guard. You know, how many times did you get sick? None. Like I, I. I thought you said you got sick. No. So I got sick the first time, right? But I didn't really, yeah. get, I didn't really get sick, right? I had it, but I had no symptoms. I had a, a stuffed up nose since like November. How did you know you had? What you got tested and they told you were positive? Yeah, yeah. So but you really didn't have any. You weren't sick, sick, sick. No, 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 no. I, I wasn't sick. Like yeah. super sick. Yeah. Um, the second time, like because we have this variant stuff happening now. Um, you know there was. Uh, someone who was like, babysitting my son that got it and had the variant. So now we had to isolate again. And then uh, most recently someone in, in my home and then now again, isolating again. Right. So. Uh, Could I catch it from you? Maybe if I, if I can spit that far. If you, if you, if you uh, breathe through the microphone and then it comes through the air. Possibly through, through the, through the radiation waves of the. All microphone. right. So give me a plug. We got birthday cake with Val Kilmer and, Coming and Lorraine Bracco, you love her. Uh, coming out in June, um, and I got Made in Chinatown, which is on um, uh, what what channel is that on? I don't know. 
it's coming out in May. It's all the cable channels, you know? And um, they're going to hate me when they see this interview. You don't know what channel is coming out of. Um, well, birthday cake is Crackle. Made in Chinatown is um, something on cable. It's not Roku. It's one of those channels. And but that's about it. I mean, um, and um, but I'm happy. Hey, that's, it's all going to pick up. Don't you worry, man. That birthday cake is cool because when I mentioned uh, to my wife that you have a new movie called Birthday Cake coming out, and she asked me who else is in it. I was like, well, Paul Savino. Yeah. And, and Val Kilmer. Like I had a stare down with Val Kilmer once in uh, Calabasas in a, in a, in a, in a restaurant. And like, I, it was at the mall there and there's like this little restaurant cafe thing. And I walked in the room, I was outside eating and I walked in, he's sitting in there. He's just staring at me. It's like, I stared back at him and it's like, cool. this guy know me here. I don't, did but, you know it was Val? Yeah, I knew it was him. And then what happened? And then I just wanted to wash him. And I went back outside, and I think about Kilmer staring at me. I told my friend, he's like, "You're fucking crazy." I'm like, "No, he's where, in." There. Where was it? Was this in Toronto? It's in Calabasas. In Where's Calabasas? In, in, in uh, California, outside of LA. What were you doing there? Um, I was just doing some uh, some meetings and stuff like that for the show, and and you uh, sold out. Yeah. How long ago was this? This was. It's got to be over five years ago. Oh, that's before you got. Uh, he had an operation, you know. Yes, he had an operation. Yeah, and bro, you'll see how he pulls it off in the movie. I, I thought he did an awesome Batman as well, and, and if, since we're talking about him, like I, you know, the best thing he ever did was Tombstone. Yeah. Played Doc Holliday. There's there's a lot of great movies. Um, there's well, do you know that when he did The Doors and played Jim Morrison, Stevie Van Zandt was his acting coach. What? Really? I didn't know that until Val... See, Val, he writes you because he can't talk. So he writes you. And, and what we do in the movie is that uh, his character got shot in the throat. And I work for him. I'm his right-hand man. I take care of him in the house. So if you if we're sitting around, you'll see we're sitting around the dinner table and we're about to have a big uh, meeting and he whispers to me and I stand up and I keep talking for him. So um, when Jimmy, the director, said, listen, I'm going to give you a bigger part. Uh, oh, we want you to be his mouthpiece. We decided to do that. I said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. I thought like, I was going to have about three or four more lines. They gave me 12 pages uh, of stuff that Val had that he didn't want to do. And I had the lines, which is okay as an actor because it makes me, it's a stronger role for me. But that was, that was like a, a twist of fate that Val said, give the work to Vinny because it, it was his idea. You know, um, let me, you know, when he say, hey, he said, uh, everybody, let's go eat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? It just like where was it? Where was this movie filmed? Like, did you film it in, in L.A. Brooklyn. or we filmed in Brooklyn? Right on. It was good. Yeah, filmed it in Brooklyn. Yeah, I'm, I'm asking Val Kilmer how he liked the the movie. Like, what was what was his response be? Val? Yeah. Um, he had he's a jokester. He'll play a joke. He's like Robin Williams used to be like that, right up until they say action. So I'll be sitting at a table with him, and we're about to shoot a very serious mob scene, and I'll have straw stuck up his nose. <laughs> and, I, and I say, Val, please, please, stop, stop. How, how do you how do you how do you collaborate with actors that like you've obviously sometimes have never met before or you know well you're... that's what acting is like I, I go like this um I uh, you know look sometimes you work with people you know and sometimes you work with people you don't know and when you work with people you don't know and you need to like you want to work on the scene or something they may be a little um you know, they, I don't know if I want to do that. See, when you asked me about Jimmy, Jimmy ran. I don't care if you had four lines. You want to run lines with Jimmy? 
You want to work on a scene? Boom. And Jimmy would come up to me and say, Vinny, are you happy? Do you want another take? Like he was the boss, you know? And then he would say to David, give me another take. You know that scene when I'm in the, um, I was in the house. He came to visit me and he kind of thought I was a rat and I had the robe on. Cause I, and I said, oh, cause my sciatica was killing me. And I said, I'm popping pills like juju beans. Uh, he thought I was a rat then. He said, I mean, I thought that he thought I was a rat then. <laughs> he kept asking me, are you happy with this? I said, yeah. And David kept saying, can we move on? And he said, no, Vinny, yeah, that's how he was. I said, yeah, I'm okay. He would, he, that, that's how he was with everybody. Are you happy with the scene? That's he ran great. the show. He ran the show. He knew because he came up the hard way. He wasn't, he wasn't a star. He was in movies like True Romance, Crimson Tide with Denzel. You know, he didn't have big parts. Um, and, and he came up the hard way and he knew what it was like to be a struggling actor. And he wanted to make sure you got your, your then, you know, when the Emmys came out and they were announced like seven o'clock in the morning, he called me up, the phone rings. I was living on the corner. I said, yeah, he said, Jimmy, Vinny, it's Jimmy. Do you watch the Emmys? I said, yeah. And I didn't get nominated. He said, you got robbed. He did such a great job, right? He said, you got robbed. And the problem is, like with me, because, you know, you know, I got my work and everything, but, you know, I'm not up there with with the SARS, you know, I don't know if that opportunity will ever come around again. You know, you never know. Get that, you see that award I got back of me, the SAG award, you know, I don't know if these opportunities ever come around again. And that's what you have to accept about uh, being in this business. You know, whether you're a DJ, whether you're a painter, an actor, a model, or, you know, a football player, you get old, you can't do it no more. See actors, you can keep working. I'm 75. You can keep working. But the offers don't come the way they used to. If I get two or three jobs a year, you got to be happy with that. Because they're not looking to hire guys like me. That They want the younger guys like you. To play so terrorists. What? To play terrorists, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Homeland. I'm going to put you on Homeland. <laughs> you know, but it's all good. Well, that, that's incredible. Did, the, one last question here. Did, did you know that your role on The Sopranos was going to end eventually, like like season yeah. two? Okay. He told me between season one and season two, but he didn't know how he was going to do it or when because they were writing it. They were writing as they were going along. And how far ahead were they writing episodes? Like, was it they have the whole season ready to go? Uh, I don't I, I really, that's a question you'd probably have to ask Imperioli. You know, we would be working on episode one and they would send you the script for episode two. Actually, they called you in. We would go in, um, we would have a table reading with our lunch uh, every 10 days for the next episode. So we're working on episode maybe three and we're taking lunch on a Thursday afternoon and reading during our lunchtime episode four. And that's, so I don't know how close to production that David and Terry Winter and everybody wrote the script, you know, but they were keeping it pretty much update. Like um, David wrote a lot of stuff for Sirico, uh for Tony. And uh, when he started writing my character um, in real life, my daughter was in college. You know, and then in, in the character of The Sopranos, he gave me uh, Kevin, who was in college, and you know all that stuff. Uh, you know, he, he they slip into real life stuff because they know it's going to be close. So they, when they write, they write to make it easier for you. You know, they weren't going to make Big Pussy like a, a psychotic killer. They made him a lovable guy who was uh, Tony's best friend who happened. You, you saw the episode when I was in the Howard Johnson's in Asbury Park and I brought back the H and they, and I was nervous and they would ask me what's going on and they would think that uh, Uncle Junior was dealing. You remember that? You don't remember that episode. I remember it. 
there's there's other ones too. There's other great episodes too, like the one where you have to wear the wire and and uh, you wear it to the ba- the birthday party. So the uh, the what's it called the 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 communion, right? right? AJ's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 then they're trying to get all this information and stuff, and they just hear you crying on the wire. And before that, all the, the that was a tough scene to shoot. Yeah, yeah, that was really really tough emotionally as an actor to shoot that. And um, I remember because I wasn't getting driven to it from the set. Um, when I wrapped and I got my car, um, I was supposed to drive home and I actually got lost. And I ended up in a bad section in Brooklyn. And I, and it was like four o'clock in the morning um, because my I was so like out of it um, from that. Uh, you know, a lot of times you bring your work home and you shouldn't, but um I just finished working with uh, Stevie's wife, Maureen Van Zandt, and I directed her in Streetcar Named Desire, which is a tough role. She played Blanche. And, um, you know, I've been talking to Maureen and was starting to do other projects. And she says that it takes a while. And it does. It takes a while to shed that when you work on something for so long. You know, like if you do a play for a long run and then the play closes, um, you go through like a withdrawal. Well, you it's know, your life for quite some time, right? Because you're not doing nothing. And you're home. And you're waiting for the phone to ring. But I don't wait for the phone to ring no more. No? Not at all? I picked up the phone today. It was from Medicare. I don't want to talk to them. No. Not at all. No, I don't wait for the phone to ring no more. Because either... Somebody wants you or they don't want you. They know your work. Like if you said, Vinny, I got this idea and I got the money, you want to come to Canada and you offer it to me and I say, send me the script and if I want to do it, I go up there. Um, um, but uh, a lot of times, and I tell this to my students that they have me audition. If they have me audition, that means they don't know what they want yet. And they're looking at everybody, you know? So the best jobs are the jobs when somebody writes a character for you, whether it's a low budget or something like that, and, and, and you go in and, and, and you're doing that, you know. But auditioning is tough. Like, I did Bullets Over Broadway with Woody Allen. I must have had an audition four or five times to get that part. It's tough. Wow. I've learned a lot today. What did, what did Maya Lansky say? Not Maya Lansky, um... Uh, 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 Strasburg. Oh, uh, uh, Hyman Roth. What did he say to Al Pacino to Michael Colio? You chose this life. What did he say? The life chose me, or something like that. He said uh, when he was cutting the pieces of cake that you chose this life. Ba ba ba. You know. See, you know, talk about the Godfather. At least Strasburg was uh, Al's acting teacher. From the actor's studio, and he played Hyman Roth. Wow. You notice something. Okay. I'm and learning. I'm learning as I'm going, said, man. You ever worked with Al? Yeah, you worked with Al. He was in Carlito's way. <laughs> oh. Hey, man, this is like all I'm learning this stuff. You're telling me stuff I, I don't know, too, right? So it's um, I'm listening you to you. Hear, before I hang up, you want to hear about what happened with me in Carlito's way? Sure. I'm up and coming actor. I'm trying to get parts. I'm working on one movie with Treat Williams and Frank Vincent. They say, uh, we want you to do some extra work on Carlito's Way. I said, why not? We're sitting around a table. I had the sides. Somebody got me the sides. I knew what the scene was about. So when Sean Penn, Penn yelled across the dance floor, um, hey, you up, what are you doing dancing with that girl? I ran across the dance floor and I said, who are you calling a WAP? And Brian De Palma said, cut, get that guy out of here. Because I was an extra. And Al said, it works. Keep it. And then Brian said, well, let them all get up and run across. And me, my cousin Gary, Tony Cucci, we all, Sonny Zito, we all ran across and we all got contracts. So that's why I was in Carlito's way. Because I had balls. You can't do that no more. No, why not? They'll throw you up the set. 
right? Well, I don't know. I'm not the actor. You are, right? That's cool. It's in Detroit. Well, I mean, listen, we, we used to do a lot of that, you know, try to get it. It's called an upgrade. You can't do that no more. They'll tell you to go home.